Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. take a seat. We're going to uh, study the Word of God this morning. I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 17. And we're going to continue, in fact, really finalize this series. Thank you, sir. Finalize the series that we're in right now uh, called The Call of Love. It's been a powerful series. In fact, I'll, I'll say it like this, that I, every now and then, you, you know, pastors know that they strike a nerve sometimes when uh, the week that follows the sermon and the, the service, uh, we just get a lot of uh, contacts, we get a lot of um, um, uh, just information and updates and, and testimonies about what God has done. And I'll tell you, last week, uh, in the middle of this series, The Call of Love, we talked about honor. Of course, the week before, we talked about protection. And uh, then last week, we talked about honor. And I have had so many people contact me this week and just say, that was so very meaningful. And, and we decided as a couple, for instance, just to, to honor one another in all things at all times. And, um, and, and, and Pastor, you're, you were right. It was, like, it was just like flipping a light switch. All of a sudden, everything just changed in our home. And I'm going to tell you if, you, if you didn't hear last week's sermon, I would go back to, the, to, um, to our website, listen to that again as we talk about the call of love demands that we honor others, honor others. And today, we're going to talk about uh, a, a different aspect of love. In fact, I would say a more important, more serious aspect of it. And, and I'm convinced that we don't talk about love often enough in the church today, really the church around the world, not just New Song, because the, the love of God and the love that we have for each other, it is central to the gospel. And it is the primary focus of our lives that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbors as ourselves. The greatest commandments are those. So love is at the center of our relationship with Christ and our relationship with others. And it's the focal point of, of Christianity, to be honest with you. The focal point of it is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So love is so very, very important. And I want to I want to share uh, something with you before we go too far. That that uh, is very very important. I think it's going to be eye opening for you. And this is Jesus praying a prayer in John chapter seventeen. He's praying a prayer, and this is right before he gets arrested. So the context of what's happening here. He's about to be arrested. He's about to um, literally endure the beatings that he's about to go through. He's about to endure the stripes on his back, being whipped. Uh, he, he's about to carry his cross to Golgotha. He's about to be crucified. And of course, the resurrection is about to take place. And this is one of the final prayers that, that is recorded that Jesus prays uh, at the end of his earthly um, ministry, right before the cross and the resurrection. And it is so powerful. In fact, if you have your Bibles, you'll see some, some captions above uh, these portions of Scripture. As he's praying this prayer, there's more to it than what we're going to be reading today. And one of it is, you know, Jesus prays for his disciples would be a, a caption or a heading above that portion of Scripture. And then, then, then the Scripture is there, his prayer is there. And then it, we're in this portion of Scripture where it says Jesus prays for all of the believers. All of the believers. And you're going to see this that he's not just praying 
for his disciples. And he's not just praying for the, 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 the believers that were alive at that time in that generation. He's actually praying for you. Like when Jesus is praying this prayer in John chapter 17, he's, he's not just praying for those who were alive 2,000 years ago. He's praying for you. His mind and his heart is on you. And I'm going to prove that to you in scripture. John chapter 17 verse 20 is where we're going to start. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples who he was praying about. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Let me say it like this. I'm, he, Jesus is saying, I'm praying for all of those who would hear the gospel and respond to it and call upon me as Lord. I am praying for them. So it, it, like with uh, uh, every Every person participating, how many of you have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior? You are a Christian. Raise your hand. Okay, so Jesus is actually praying for you. He's saying, I pray for anybody who would believe the gospel, anybody who would believe the word of God, that they would believe the message. I'm praying for them. So Jesus has you in mind when he's praying this. Verse 21. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Let's stop right there. So, so here we have a portion of scripture that is so very important because he's talking about unity in the church. He's talking about unity among the believers. And he says, hey, when, when, when people see unity among Christians, among the saints, among the followers of Christ, when people see that, it's contagious. It's very inviting. It's very inviting. And in fact, when they see that in the church, it actually helps other people believe. It helps other people believe in Christ. And so unity is important to Jesus, and he's praying it. Verse 22, it says this. In fact, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Then they'll know that, that you love them as you have loved me. I, I, wanna, I want you to write something down here. Let me break this down for you. That the call of love, write this down, is impartial. The call of love is impartial. And I, I want you to pick up what he's saying here. Jesus is praying this prayer. He said, this is a fact. The, the fact that I know is, uh, the fact that I have for all of you, for all who would believe in me, is that God loves people, Jesus would say, that God loves people just as he loves me. Let me say it a different way, everybody. That, that God loves you to the same degree that he loves his very own son. That God loves you the same degree that he loves his own son. And there's some people in this room saying, unbelievable. Maybe watching online, unbelievable. Because it would be easy to love Jesus. After all, Jesus never sinned. He never, he never made a mistake. He never rebelled. He, he never did the things that I've done. 
He never told a lie. He never stole. He never cheated. He never, he never did any of those things. So surely God would find it easier to love Jesus than he loves me. In fact, we, really, we don't really fully understand this because, let me say it this way, I have multiple nieces and nephews, multiple. And, and I love my nieces and nephews, but I have a deeper love for my own children. The love that I have for my nieces and nephew is, nephews is not the same amount of love, it seems like to me, that I have for my own children. And so we struggle with this thing because we kind of know, hey, I, I love my kids. I'm not for sure if I love your kids or not. You know, I haven't made that decision yet. And, um, and yet God is saying this through, through Jesus, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so we could read it today. Know that God loves you just as much as he loves his own son to the same degree. There's no difference in the love that he has for you. Well, pastor, you don't know my past. It doesn't matter. Because your past and your sins does not negate the love that God has for you. The, the sins of your past, or even maybe in your present, does not disqualify you from the love that God has for you. Isn't that amazing? And that's the gospel of grace, everybody. It's part of the message of Jesus Christ that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That God loves you to the same degree that he loves Jesus. Absolutely amazing. And the call of love then is, is impartial. It's impartial. But now let me, let me say something here before we go too far. That I am not saying... That the, that the love of God being impartial like it is, I'm not saying that it approves of sin. I'm not saying that. Because a lot of people just say, well, okay, well, the love of God is, is impartial. So that means in today's culture, well, if, if love is impartial, then anything goes. Anything goes. You can love whomever you want to love. You can be in a, ro a romantic relationship with whomever you want to be in a relationship with. And that anything goes mentality is not real love. Let me say it a different way, everybody. That the anything goes mentality that we find in today's, in today's culture, it is a perversion of the purity of God. And, and if you struggle with that, I would encourage you, I'm starting a brand new series next Sunday morning called Truth, Not Trends. And we're going to talk about the truth and that it sets us free, obviously, but what truth is and how do we know what truth is in a culture filled with lies? Because if you make that statement that love is impartial, well, people who don't know God and don't know the word of God, they're going to apply that statement to things that God actually says is sinful. They're going to put their seal of approval on something that God disapproves of. So I'm not saying that love is impartial to the extent that anything goes. Definitely not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that love is impartial, write this down, that God loves everyone to the same degree as his own son. And, not, don't, don't just stop there, and he calls us to do the same. That we are called to love without any prejudice in our life. We are called to love with an impartial love. 
that there is no preferential treatment. There is no prejudice that we love equally. You know, my wife and I, we just had this unique thing happen. And, and uh, I, I tell you this, everybody, as I always do, that whatever I'm preaching about, whatever, whatever I'm, and this is teachers across the board, not just me, but if you teach a small group, you know this to be true, that, that when, I'm, when I'm getting ready to, to teach something or, or preach something, that I'll often find myself in a scenario in which I have to live that out. Like, it's almost as if whatever I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on, I'm either going to struggle with or I'm going to be victorious over or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to face that at some point. And so my, my topic was, was chosen quite a while ago for this Sunday. I just knew the heart of God, knew what I was supposed to be teaching. I was going to take in a little bit of, of a different vein, but God kind of changed that over the last three or four days. And, and I really just felt this was the leading of the Lord. And wouldn't you know it, just several days ago, my wife and I, we were in South Bend. We were in a store, and we were getting ready to, it was one of the stores where they had multiple cashiers, you know, there, and you have to stand in line and kind of wait your turn, and then they call you out, like, okay, cashier number three is ready to go. And, and out of all the cashiers, have you ever been in this place, out of all of the cashiers that were there, um, it was like Sesame Street, you know, we're like, well, which one is different? One is not the same. And um, have you ever been in that environment where it's people and you're looking, I was looking at these cashiers and one of these cashiers was just different from all the rest, just different from all the rest. And, 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 and I have seen people do this. And in the past, when, when I was more immature in the Lord, I found myself doing this, that sometimes when you're around people that you don't understand or that you feel uncomfortable with, you want to avoid them. So the old Justin would have been like, oh, I hope I don't go to cash register number three, you know, because that's going to be awkward. Um, have you ever been there? Don't raise your hands, but have you ever been there? Am I, I'm not the only one, right? And, and as I'm standing in line, we see this person who is very confused, very confused. As we were standing in line, of, of, of my heart was just broken for this person, it was just broken. And wouldn't you know it, cashier number, it was actually cashier number one. Cashier number one, you know, is ready for you. They call it out. Please make your way to cashier number one. And Jennifer and I are in line. And that's the cashier that we go to. And, and there he is. His name is Jared. And, and, and Jared was confused, very confused. You could, just, you could just tell that he's in turmoil. He doesn't understand his identity. And I was brokenhearted for him. Both my wife and I were just brokenhearted for him. And he, it, I'm telling you, as we're just making this transaction, he just proved to be so helpful, so courteous, so professional, and, 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 and I'm, I'm just kind of looking for an opportunity to encourage because I'm always looking for opportunities to share the love of Christ. It's just something that, that it's just a calling that I have on my life. In fact, I think we're all called to that, and, and, and I'm just looking for that opportunity. It doesn't come, but I was able just to, to show respect and to show love as if he looked like everybody else, as if he acted like everybody else, and can I tell you something? That's what I'm talking about. That the, the love of God, the call of love, it's impartial. There is no prejudice there. There's no preferential treatment. It, you don't go to people, oh, you look differently from me, so I'm going to avoid you, or I'm going to look down my nose at you. 
that aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God loves you to the same degree that he loves his only son? And we are called to live that type of love. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He showed the extravagant love of God while you and I were still in sin. He knew that you were going to rebel. He knew that you were going to have struggles in life and, and, and give in to temptations and to give in to sin. And yet God's love for you has never failed and it has never weakened. It has stayed the same. Even when you were faithless, God was still faithful. Amazing. And yet sometimes in our relationship with God, in our relationship with others, sometimes we end up placing people on different levels. Well, they're on my level, so I, I, I'm going to love them. They, I, I, can, I can show love to them, but all of a sudden somebody's at a different level, a different place, a different identity, a different set of beliefs, and all of a sudden it's very difficult for some people to love them equally like they would other people. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not the heart of God. There, there's some people in this room and watching online. You, you, I'm going to say something that might surprise you just tremendously. That, that, that God absolutely loves Republicans. <laughs> now, no, no, don't stop there, though. Because God absolutely loves Democrats. And he absolutely loves independents. And he absolutely loves the ones that don't even care about politics. He absolutely loves everybody the exact same way. I remember some, somebody coming to me many years ago, somebody in this church, and, and they had a certain political stance, and somebody else had, had something on their Bible, of all places, of an opposite political stance and whom they were voting for. And it was like, I don't know how I can love them. I don't know. How, like, I have no respect for them. And I'm telling you, the turmoil inside of this person, I'm like, oh, brother, breathe. Breathe. You know, hey, hey, God loves them just as much as he loves you. And he loves you just as much as he loves his very own son. Aren't you glad that God shows unconditional love? That his love is impartial? That you could be the most vile of sinners. And he loves that person as much as he loves the Billy Grahams of the world. Isn't that amazing? And we are to live out that same type of love. And yet, we don't always agree, do we? We don't always have the same point of view on things, do we? And how do you love people that view life differently, that view politics differently than you? How do you love people that, that view cultural phenomena, what we're seeing in culture right now, differently than you? How do you love them as much as you love the person you're sitting next to in the church today? How do you love them as much as you love your favorite preacher or teacher? I'm, 
that was totally a joke. I, pr- I promise you that was a joke. But how do, you, how, do you love, how do you love impartially? Can I tell you, it's going to take the love of God in you to be able to love like that. And yet we've all had our moments, haven't we? We've all had our Jared moments where you've been around somebody who just, you just thought it difficult, it's so difficult to love them. I'm going to help you out today. I'm going to help you out today. By the grace of God, you're going to grow today. Number two, write this down, that having trouble loving what you would consider the unlovely is proof that you and I need to grow in our relationship with the Lord. If this is an issue of your life, if it's easy for you to love some people but not to love other people to the same extent, to the same amount, can I tell you something? It's proof, it's evidence that you need to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And by the way, all of us need to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Let me show you this in Scripture. Because what we're going to talk about today is going to be agape love. And every time I read this word love, it's going to be agape love. And I'll explain it in a second. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love or agape love one, one another. For this type of love, agape love, comes from God. And everyone who agape loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not have this agape type of love does not know God because God is Love. Let me tell you what agape love is. Now, many of you know this, but many of you don't. So just pay attention to this, that there are, in the Bible, there are four different types of love, especially in the New Testament that is written down. Now, it's confusing for us because we use the word love in a way that is very casual, in a way that's very deep at the same time. It's the same word that is used for both casual love or, or a very deep, affectionate love. So, for instance, we could say, um, um, you know, I, I really love my spouse. And you're, you're, you know that they mean, that's just a deep, rich love. But there, then there are some, some wackos out there that say, I love cats. That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's of the devil. It's a different type of love. It's an ungodly type of love, really, towards cats. I'm just joking about that. But you could say that, that uh, sort of. So you could say that people say, well, I love cats or I love dogs. I love ice cream. Oh, it's just the best. I really love God. Well, well okay, you love ice cream, but you also love God. Certainly one of those is a little bit different than the other, right? Like there's different levels. We use the same word, but for different levels of love and different meanings of love. So in the New Testament, it was broken down into four different words that all we would, we would say is just love, but in, in that writing was totally different. It was just different. The first one would be storge. It's S-T-O-R-G-E, S-T-O-R-G-E, storge. And storge is this, this family type of love, this affectionate family love or an empathetic type of love, storge. So it's the love that you have for your, your children or your children have for you or family members. It's just storge. The next one is, a lot of people would say phileo. Um, there is another word, philia, and that means actually uh, it has to do with um, like brotherly love. Like you would say the city of Philadelphia, phileo or philia, is brotherly, the city of brotherly love. Now, So it's a friendship type of love. Now, 
philia and philia, phileo are the same word, the same root word in the Greek, but sometimes they're written different ways. Sometimes it's a masculine, sometimes it's a feminine writing, but it's still the same root word in the Greek. And so philia or phileo, it's both, both are same, both are fine. Then we have eros. Eros is this romantic type of love. It's these strong feelings that you get for another person. In fact, that's where it's the root of eros. It's the root word that we get our word erotic from, okay? So it's an eros love. It's a romantic love. And then, of course, the fourth one is agape. That agape love is unconditional love. Let let me say it in a way, because sometimes we just think, okay, unconditional love. Let me say it in a way that... That is better understood, or maybe the same word just better expressed, that agape love is a love with no conditions attached to it. It's unconditional. There are no, there are no conditions attached to agape love. So with that in mind, let's read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, not just any type of love, not storge, not phileo, not, uh, uh, not eros, but agape love. Being rooted and established in agape love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the unconditional love of God, the agape love of Christ. And to know this unconditional love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. That you may be filled to the, to the fullness measure. That, that means over the course of your life, as you're growing in your relationship with the Lord, you're just taking a little bit more bites of love. You're becoming full on love. You're taking it in from God. And when you take it in from God, it's easier to share it with other people. So that's what I'm saying. The more that you grow in your relationship with God, the easier it is to love the unlovely or who you would think are unlovely. Let me say it like this, everybody. I got this from Alyssa Rote, who actually wrote this. Agape love is unconcerned with oneself and concerned with the greatest good of another. That's why I always give this definition of love always lives for the benefit of someone else. Love is never self-centered. It's never egotistical. It's not narcissistic. Love always lives for the benefit of someone else. So agape isn't born just out of emotions or feelings or familiarity or attraction, but from the will and as a choice, that's so key right there. Agape requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. So, so we think of love as something like, um, well, in fact, this, this popular opinion of love. Okay, this is, this is something I, I just heard this. I'd been planning on this sermon for a long time, and I was listening to another sermon, Pastor Chris Hodges, and he actually shared this just a, a week or two ago, and I thought, oh, that's brilliant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down and share that with all of you because it's so incredible. The popular opinion of love, and you're going to see this in culture today. Here it is. Here's the popular opinion of love. 
I have decided to love you, but it will be within the limitations of how I feel combined with what circumstances will allow. I hope to passionately love you, but it will depend mainly on if I can keep a positive feeling about you and if you keep being who I want you to be. I commit to loving you, but want you to know that you will pay if you do me wrong. I'm not going to let you take advantage of me. In fact, I will do to you good or bad according to what you deserve based on what you do for me. That is, the, that is today's popular opinion of love. So people who don't understand agape love, unconditional love, impartial love, they think it in terms of not a covenant, but a contract. Let me explain. So, so the last several years, as I've officiated just dozens upon dozens of weddings over the years, I, I, I got to a place, um, not only in premarital counseling, but actually as I'm officiating a wedding ceremony, that I talked to the couple about the difference between a covenant and a contract. So uh, when you're getting married before God and others in the presence of God and the presence of family and friends, you are entering into, as a Christian, a covenant. You are not entering into it as a contract. Now, in, in pop culture, they're thinking contract. They're thinking, I will love you as long as you behave the way I want you to behave. And if you stop behaving the way I want you to behave, or the way that you've convinced me you're going to behave, if you change that, then we're done. Then I'm not going to love you anymore. Then I get to back out. In fact, not only that, but if you do that, I'm going to make you pay for what you've done. Meaning I'm going to, I'm going to get involved and probably do the very same thing that you did when you were wrong. I'm going to do it back to you. Does that really happen? I see it all the time. You know how many couples that my wife and I have counseled in which somebody has, has done something and then the spouse, and it's not just adultery. In fact, one of them was somebody, one of the, the spouses had a big spending problem and they just wouldn't stop. So the other spouse decided, well, you know what? You're not the only one that can spend money. And just racked up credit cards and just bought things that were just unneeded, unnecessary. And all of a sudden, they both find themselves in this heap of debt. Because why? It wasn't just because of the want. It was because the other one decided to get back at the first one. It's the, the thing in, in culture today. Hey, if, if you cheat, you give me reason to cheat. I'll cheat too. Because you just gave me permission. Well, where's love in that? Where is unconditional love? Where is godly love in that? And all of us sitting here in this room saying, well, that's not right. Exactly. But when you're in a place in which you are wounded or you are not established in the word of God, it's not only too easy to think those thoughts, it's easy to do those things. Because your foundation isn't built in love, in Christ. So the popular opinion of love is, you treat me right and I'll be good to you. 
The problem is, though, that nobody in this room or in this nation or around this world, nobody is perfect. See, that's the problem with the contract mentality. I'll love you as long as you behave. Well, the problem is none of us behave all the time. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, come on, let's be honest. None of us behave all of the time. So if that's the standard, then there should be no such thing as a successful marriage because all of us misbehave every now and then. And then when we misbehave, it gives the spouse the right, and under contract idea, it gives the spouse the right to misbehave too because I'm going to pay back what you did to me. That is so ungodly, everybody. And by the way, it's not only ungodly, it's dysfunctional. And you know that to be true. But it's so tempting when you've been wounded, isn't it? Just to think payback thoughts, isn't it? Let me share with you God's opinion. In fact, I would say truth. The godly view of love says this. And this is what I'm calling us to embrace. I have decided to do what is best for you regardless of my emotions or my circumstances. I have chosen to passionately love you and it isn't based upon how I feel about you or how you are performing. I will always endeavor to love you and others with God's love and respond to your failures in a Christ-like grace-filled, redemptive manner. That's the difference between a contract and a covenant. See, God is a covenant God. He's not only a covenant-making God, he's a covenant-keeping God. And he doesn't want us to live a life of love based upon a contract mentality. He wants us to live a life of love based upon a covenant mentality, which is this. Whether you're faithful or faithless, I will continue to be faithful. Whether you treat me great or you treat me wrong, I will always treat you in love. I will always live for your good. I will always live for your benefit. Everybody, that's the call of God upon all of our lives as Christians. I'm making this as simple as I possibly can, and yet I'm telling you this is what transformed. This message transforms not only churches, but it transforms communities. When we, believers in the faith, the family of God, are united in love and we live that love not only within these walls but outside of these walls transformation will take place and the lives of others will be benefited will be strengthened will be will be changed just last night um my my uh, in fact uh, about a year year and a half ago or so we bought my daughter her first car I should say my daughter bought herself her first car 
and it's been running great, but the, uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's just kind of a rust bucket type of car. It's a starter car, and, and the uh, heater went out of it. In fact, not just the heater, but the heater core, and if you know anything about that, <laughs> it's just like a $50 fix that takes $800 because they have to rip out the entire dash and put the whole, it's just terrible, and her car wasn't worth it, and the AC wasn't working either, and, and we know that she's going to probably, most likely, our daughter's going to be going to college outside of Indiana, she's going to be traveling out of state, and we just knew that this wasn't the car that she was going to be using anyway, so we said, let's just, let's just sell it, get, get her money's worth, it had four-wheel drive, Praise God for four-wheel drive. God invented four-wheel drive, everybody. Everything that's good and perfect comes down from the Father of Lights right there. It had four-wheel drive, and we said, hey, this is a perfect time of, of year to sell it right in the middle of winter. So we, we, we sold it, and a guy came and picked it up last night, and, and, and he, he just didn't know this guy from the man of the moon. He lived in Kokomo. He drove all the way up here to, to pick up this car. And, um, and, and the moment he arrives, I just, I just felt this love for him. And I feel it all the time. Everywhere I go, I just feel love for people. And, and, and as, as best as I could, just allowing God to create opportunities for me to witness and to share the love of Christ, just to be a blessing to him. I just, and he never really gave me opportunity for that. And sometimes that happens. You're just planting seeds and that's okay. And, and he would be one of those guys that all of you in the room would just view as a normal guy. He was just a normal guy. Well, you would think, oh, it's easy to witness to a guy like that. But what about the Jareds of the world? What about the ones that, that are different? That are, that are not what we would view as normal? What about them? Aren't they just as valuable as the man I was witnessing to last night? And the answer is yes. And we're not to look our, down our noses at them. It's not, and we certainly shouldn't avoid them, people who are different, people who have different belief systems, whether they're, whether they're living it out or just thinking those thoughts. Can I, can I tell you something? That all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God, that none of us have it all together. And if you're a believer, you are saved by grace through faith. It's the mercy of God upon your life. And we are to be merciful as God has been merciful to us. And we are to love everybody equally. Why? Because they are just as valuable to God as you are and as everybody else in the world is. And God loves them and he loves you just as much as he loves his very own son, Jesus. And that should be a transformational thought for you. Because all of a sudden, I'm not avoiding people who I would have considered unlovely. I'm attracted to people who I, I would have considered unlovely because they are in need of the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I'm attracted to them now. I'm drawn to them. Why? Because I want to be a light in a world that's filled with confusion, in a world that is filled with lies that they have believed. I want to be a light to them. So love that is impartial is a love that is unconditional. There are no conditions attached to it. If you smell good, I'm going to love you. But if you smell terrible, I'm still going to love you equally. If you dress great, I'm going to love you. 
If you're naked, I'm going to love you. If you're poor, I'm going to love you. If if you're well-fed, I'm going to love you. If If you're without food, without shelter, without common necessities, I'm still going to love you. I'm just going to love you no matter what shape you're in. And I I mean that literally, by the way, everybody, I I wasn't joking. Going on mission trips, and I hope you go on a mission trip with us this summer, they are certainly life-changing. And about every every mission trip that we go to, um, did did you know we we see people that are so poor that they don't have, they don't have money for clothes. They don't have money for clothes. And in fact, if you've been on a mission trip with us, you're already recalling the people that you have seen that were so impoverished that they had nothing. Walking down a public sidewalk with nothing on. Sometimes they're just covering themselves with a piece of cloth because they've got nothing. And sometimes you go to people when you're on mission trips and even sometimes locally, you go to people and you want to love them and the smell is just off the chart and they want to give you a hug. Or let let me go a little bit further. Or you you see... little children coming up to you and they want to give you a hug and you see little bugs in, the, in their scalp and in their hair and you know they're infested with lice. But they want a hug. They want to know that you love them. And so we hug. And we pray. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> you know, some of us don't have to worry about that as much as others, everybody. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm being serious with those phrases. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious that we love everybody equally, impartially, and unconditionally. And that is the heart of God. That's the heart of God. And it's a beautiful thing. Would you stand up with me this morning? We are to love equally, without prejudice, without preferential treatment, we are to love equally. With every, every head down, would you just take a few moments here? It would be wrong of me having, to, having taught this subject of love and telling you about the love of God. It would be wrong of me not to give maybe some people in this room who have not committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ the opportunity to do so. And I want you to know, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus that he loves you with an unconditional love. He loves you. He loves you as much as he loves his very son, Jesus, who gave his life for you. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins and my sins so that we wouldn't have to. And he did it because he loved us. And if you've never experienced that in your life, I'm going to give you the the opportunity to do that today. And you say, well, pastor, you don't know my past. You you don't know what I've done. And I'm telling you, I don't really care. Because your past, the moment that you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, your past, your history, your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. They don't matter anymore. See, your, your past does not disqualify you from the love of God. 
I say it this way, in, in fact, your past, your sins actually qualify you for grace. And God says, if you call upon me, I'll be gracious to whoever calls upon me. Every single person who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, the Bible says. That's what the word of God says. And you say, you say I'm disqualified, and I'm telling you, no one is disqualified from the grace and the mercy and the love of our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody is disqualified. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. The grace of God is available to you if you would have it, if you would ask for it. This very day, if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You'll be a Christian. The old will be gone and the new will arrive today and your life will be forever changed. With nobody looking around, I'm going to ask a question. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. You're not going to have to come up front. You'll go public when you get baptized. But today's not that day. This is just a personal moment between you and Christ. And just as a step of faith, I want you to raise your hand and just say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. If that's you, hold your hand up really high. All right. I see those hands. You can put them down. Anybody else in this room? Just give you a few more seconds here. All right. I'm so proud of you. I want to pray about that first. If you've raised your hands, it's not a matter of the words that you say. It's a matter of the heart behind the prayer. And the prayer goes something like this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in him. I believe he is the savior of the world. And I believe you love me. And that you're willing to look past my sins and my past so that I can be in relationship with you. So today I confess, Jesus, you are Lord. And I also confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus, I'm calling upon you. I'm asking you to save me. Now, according to your word, I know it's done. That my past has been forgiven and that I'm in a right relationship with you right now. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of your grace in my life. I now embrace the fact that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. And that I'm saved by grace. That I don't deserve it. But you offer it to me because you love me. And I say thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing my life. Now I pray you be the Lord of my life and empower me to live the life you want me to live. Help me to live a life of surrender and a life of worship to you. And I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' name. Now for everybody else in this room with your head still down, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to speak a blessing over you here in just a moment. But if you've, never made this, if you've never made this commitment to love the way that God loves, unconditionally, impartially, or maybe you have made that commitment in the past and you're just renewing it today, would you just open up your hands toward heaven and just let me speak a blessing over you today, a blessing that we would all love the way that Christ loves, that our Heavenly Father loves. 
Father, I thank you for every person in this room that is renewing their commitment or making a commitment to love the way that you love, impartially, equally, unconditionally. Father, forgive us for the times that we have refused to to love who we would think are unlovely people. We repent of that. And we confess our need to grow in you more, to grow in love. And now, Lord, I bless my church family. I bless us with unity like never before. That love would be the focal point of our lives. Lord, I bless each person here in this room and watching online. I bless every person with a heart of love for you first and foremost. And that we would truly love our neighbors as ourselves. That we would love others the way that you've called us to love others. That we would not show any prejudice in our life. That there would be no preferential treatment in our life. But we would love the way that you've called us to love as we live for the glory of your name. Lord, I bless this church with hearts of love like they've never known before. And in that, Father, hearts of protection, hearts of honor, hearts of servanthood and and, and sacrifice and generosity. Father, I bless them with all of those things and every other thing that love demands. Lord, help us all, according to your will and your, your, your word and your spirit within us, to answer the call of love and to do it in truth and to do it freely without hesitation. And we thank you for it. And we surrender our lives to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.